My name is Craig Pickett. I'm an executive recruiter. More than a decade ago, I started my practice for one purpose, to use my experience as a former military aviator, business jet sales executive, and P&L leader to help aviation and aerospace companies and their executives be fast, adaptable, and strategic. I do these podcasts to inspire and inform, but more importantly, they are a focused platform to help business leaders grow. Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. So uh, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, We're going to do something a little different today. Uh, I've got uh, my good friend, Matt Johnson. Uh, Matt is a a podcaster as well. He's got the Micro Famous Podcast. He works with a wide variety of clients ranging from some of the uh, some of the most well-known business coaches, some entrepreneurs in, in, in various industries, and he produces my podcast as well. So uh, we decided to come on today and talk about the world online as uh, as as it, as it changes. So Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I am I am always excited to be with you because we have fun conversations and this is going to be even more fun than usual because yeah I mean this is uh this is really my wheelhouse like I've been working in the virtual world for five years um, I've had an entirely basically an entirely virtual team for most of my business career um, and I've been in the shoes of someone trying to prove themselves and move up the ranks of a company where the CEO lived a thousand miles away I couldn't be in the same room with the person I was trying to impress. So yeah, it's just, uh, I think the rest of the world, unfortunately, is getting thrown into the same working conditions that I've been dealing with for the last five years. So we're going to talk about the implications. But let's start with, um, you and I were chatting before I jumped on, uh, before we hit record, about just the the college experience, because we're, we're both talking to a lot of college-age folks. What are you saying? Yeah, well, yeah, so I've got my twins are sophomores in college now. And, you know, one goes to the University of North Carolina. It's a very competitive school to get into. Um, you know, it's rated one of the you know, better, you know, top 10 state universities in the country. And all of a sudden now they're bringing everything online. And basically they've made it so onerous to go to class this year because of COVID. And, you know, they want to put everything online. And the one thing that, you know, you, you, know, you look at as things go, you think about the college experience and the difference between the University of North Carolina or Harvard and, you know, an online school like the University of Phoenix, all of a sudden the, you know, the differentiators get very, very small. If you're looking at stuff online, you know, if you're just learning stuff online with no, you know, with no face-to-face collaboration or no ability to, you know, share your own brain power or get the brain power with, with other students, what separates a very competitive university from you know, basically one for the masses. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of businesses, as they're, they're going that direction, you know, the question is going to be, how do we, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves in an online, in an online world? Mm-hmm. Um, how do people differentiate themselves in an online world? Everybody loves, everybody's loving the work from home. I think we're about, yeah, six months into this now, the work from home thing with COVID. But once again, you know, it's it's got it's it's got a you know it's got a little bit of its pluses and minuses. I think the 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 struggle that a lot of people are going to have is, you know, how do I differentiate myself, or how do I understand as a leader how to lead when I'm doing everything with Slack and Zoom and you know 
teams, email, etc. It's a whole new Which deck. is interesting. Yeah, because when when you and I chatted about this a few days ago, I I thought you were about here's what I thought you were about to say that now is the best time in the world to be an ambitious person. And then you basically said the opposite, which is that now is the hardest time to show that you're a leader to a company, whether you're inside or whether you're coming in from the outside as a candidate. And that really threw me for a loop, right? So, so elaborate a little bit. I want just tell me a little bit about what I might not know about the challenges that your candidates are facing when they're going into this interview situation, the way things are structured right now. Well, well look, I, th- I think it's really hard. You, know, you, you think about, you, know, you walk, if you're interviewing with a company, you walk into the company and you look a little left and you look a little right and you look at their offices and you look at the people who were there and you get a great idea of what the culture looks like just from showing up. Are people in jeans and boots and polo shirts? Are they in suit and tie? Is it a little bit more formal? Is it a little bit less informal? And, and ultimately the culture is what makes or breaks a lot of people. So I think, you know, straight up, you know, straight off the bat, you know, how does this person fit into our culture or how do I fit into their culture as a person looking to go to work for a company? Yeah. If we're all going online, how does company culture get defined or does it, you know, does it get recognized? Yeah. I, I think that's I a agree. big, that's a big, that's, just one thing to think about. It's neither good nor bad. Mm-hmm. It's just something different to think about. Yeah, I think the the research process, because I, I, in terms of showing leadership, that's one of the things that a candidate could do to show leadership. Mm-hmm. So did they track people down on LinkedIn? Did they go to Glassdoor and read every review they can get their hands on from people that actually work inside the company? You know, did they, did they make an effort to connect with people inside and, and ask them a little bit about what the culture is if they show up knowing what the culture is rather than going in, going, oh, I, I won't know what the culture is until I have that first meeting, right? So there's all kinds of, like, to me, there's, there's so many interesting things that people can do that if you are ambitious and you are thinking about that and you realize that that is a problem, there are ways to solve that problem. They take a little bit of initiative um, yep. and it may not be, it may be a different way of researching it than it would have been 20 years ago before all these tools existed. Um, but those tools, you know, the tools have just changed rather than picking up the phone and tracking someone down inside a company, having a phone conversation, may, you may send them a message on LinkedIn and get the same information you need uh, on the culture. Yep. But ultimately, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, back in, you know, six months, a year ago, you, you're going for an interview and it's like, hey, look, I'll show up. I'll dress up, I'll show up, I'll look around, I'll check it out, and I'll get a good idea the minute I get there whether or not this is a place I even want to be. Mm-hmm. That's a hard, that's a long putt now. It's, uh, that you know, that's a long, that's a long putt, you know. Mm-hmm. Just walking into, yeah, there's a, yeah, just, just walking into somebody's facility. Is this place the most beautiful office building in the world or is it a dump? That said a lot about a company. You don't have it that privilege. You don't have that privilege right now. <laughs> Reminds me of walking into the marketing agency I worked at years and years ago and walking in and seeing like sagging tiles. Like my yep. desk was a Sam's Club fold-out desk with a brand new computer because it was just, you know, it was a startup. So yeah, it's uh it, the culture is everything. Um yeah. and it, it kind of dictates how, how who you attract and whether you want to be a part of that culture. Yeah, no, look, there were, yeah, there was a, there, there was a, a business I used to call on in Los Angeles and they were in the middle of a pretty, it was a pretty rough neighborhood. 
but they bought this old building and they, they, it was beautiful. You know, like, Hey, look, yeah, we know the neighborhood's a little rough, but we, yeah, they, yeah, they just took this, this old building and knocked it out of the park. And then you saw what they were wearing and you're like, this, this, these guys have some vibe to them. That's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good vibe. You know, I've seen other companies where you walk into an old building and it's exactly what, what you'd expect. It's an old <laughs> building in a crappy neighborhood. You're going, Oh man, is yeah. this really where I want to show up to work every day? Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to figure out when you're online all the time is, you know, what's the, you know, who are the people I'm working with? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I th- I think of a lot of the other challenges. I'm kind of chuckling. I don't want to get into the political. I don't want to get into the political room, but <laughs> I'm sort of chuckling about you know school. Does school go? Do kids go back to school, mm-hmm. or does it go online? Yeah. And I think about the teachers. Look, I can understand their position. Like we don't want to get sick either. Right. But on the flip side. They're taking such a hard stance. I wonder how many school boards are saying, you know, maybe we could replace these people with a YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, and man. You, and you talk about standardized teaching where we put mm-hmm. 20 kids in a class and we put 20 kids in a room or whatever, and we just pipe in a YouTube channel and teach them how to do long division. Mm-hmm. You know, third grade long division via YouTube channel. And hey, maybe we put a minimum wage or uh, yeah, $15 an hour teacher's helper in there to, mm-hmm. you know, help them out. Yep. You know, whoa, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that. I was going to say, uh, if, if they're not careful, those kind of alternative models are going to come yeah. up out of necessity and not out of choice. Yeah. Somebody's going to think about that. And I think yep. like, I just think about people and I go, yeah, hey, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're working virtual. How do you make yourself stand out? You know, there's challenges to it. How do you make yourself stand out? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know you've worked virtual for a long time. You worked for an ad agency and you did, you know, you were a thousand miles away from your boss mm-hmm. and you did really well. Yeah. What is some, how does somebody break out at Boeing or AT&T or a big company when they're not really interacting personally? Well, I, because, you know, the, the, the choice of like not being able to interact in person, that may be taken away from us, but, you know, you can still interact more. You can still grab the attention of the person in charge uh, by offering to do things. Essentially, it's, it's solving problems. So when, you, when you're in company meetings and you see that there's a problem solved that may be outside of your area, maybe outside of your job responsibility, I mean, what, what executive doesn't want somebody underneath them coming up and saying, Hey, I think I have a solution, uh, you know, like a solution to this problem. Hey, mm-hmm. I don't know if this will work, but I think this is something that we could try. Now you may look at that solution and go, meh, we've tried something like that before, but I appreciate the initiative. Right. So one of the things that I've, I've really asked myself over the years of working virtually is how does someone demonstrate that they are proactive? And, and it is a hard thing to do out of the blue if you don't know what it looks like. But once you see it, once people see it demonstrated and once they see it rewarded in the culture, then other people get a sense of what proactive really means. And it's, it's stepping out and looking for ways to solve problems that are, that are not just within your ordinary job description. And if you do that, you're going to catch the attention of people above you. If you're a candidate for a job and you come in and you have an opinion on what their biggest challenges are. You may not have all the answers, but if you if you can come in as a candidate and you can articulate the challenge they face, 
in a better way or give them a different spin or a different paradigm or perspective on the challenge they face, that's going to set you apart. So like if I were if I were going into the workforce today and I wanted to get a job at a big company, I would, I would absolutely network my way in first mm-hmm. or I would, I would reach out to somebody like you first and start building relationships with people like you that already have relationships with the C-suite at the companies I want to work for. But then I would go deep on what, what is their biggest challenge right now? And, and, and that, that would be different at a division level or a business unit level for each company, right? So you got one big overarching challenge for the company, but then you've got different business units have their own. But yeah, I would, I would research that and I would read everything I can get my hands on as far as the strategy and the different approaches that they can take so that I had something to say. Because it's not just about me, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest mistake candidates make is just trying to make themselves look better. Like put the focus back on the company that you want to work for and show them how you can help them solve that biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. So I think when you take that approach, uh, that's going to set you apart because just most people coming out of college and maybe even 10 years out of college, they just don't know to do that. They don't know what proactive actually looks like. Right. No, I, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, proactive, Hey, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions to problems. Mm-hmm. You know, Hey, look, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's, here's the problem. As I see it, here's a couple of good ideas mm-hmm. um, to fix it is much more welcome. And you can do that, you know, either in person, you can do it, you know, online, you can do it video, you can do it. You know, there's a hundred ways to do it. Yeah. And I yeah, think look that, at, uh, I mean, you're, uh, you're a little bit of a football fan uh, enough to know, like, did, do you remember how the Dallas Cowboys hired uh, Mike McCartney or Mike McCarthy out of Green Bay? That, that just went down over the summer. Did you hear anything about the yeah. process? No, I did not hear about the process. Yeah, so they, they don't know each other. Like Jerry Jones didn't know McCarthy other than him getting beat by the Packers in his own stadium a couple of mm-hmm. times, right? But they brought him in for an interview, shows up, but what he had was a plan. So right. he'd, been, he'd, he'd spent the last year basically studying the NFL in his off year after he got let go from the Packers. And he just spent all year researching the industry, talking to everybody he could, and he came in with a game plan. So right. look, if I got a hold of your team, here's what I would do. Here's the, here's the players I would keep. Here's the ones I would let go. Here's my plan. Here's my five-year plan. Like he just came in with all like a load of stuff, like a, you know, a bam, like put, put mm-hmm. a folder down on the desk and said like, this is my plan. And I'm sure Jerry Jones didn't agree with all of it, mm-hmm. but it was the fact of that level of research you went into it. Yes. That, that like that, that's what instilled that trust. And he's like, all right, you're my guy. We'll figure out the rest out later, but you're my guy. You're my guy. I think guy, that can right. be done by anybody. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's a, there's an executive I, uh, you know, I'm working with. And there's a great background there. And you talk to, you know, as in this day and age where everybody's trying to build their brand. And I think about like guys like Gary V or these people who just get outrageous and they're, they're getting on YouTube, you know, Gary V is doing his thing. And, you know, I think about these people get on YouTube and they're dropping F bombs everywhere and they're just, they're just, you know, going out and they're thinking, Hey, look, I'll just be outrageous. I'll, I'm going to be the new version of Howard Stern. And, you know. <laughs> and then I think of this person and everybody I know says, Hey, here's the deal. Complete wallflower. Relatively quiet, just kind of comes in, looks around, doesn't say a whole lot. But damn, when they get a hold of a project, it just gets done. And they take on the hardest things and they, you know, they, they take on the hardest you know, challenges and they take on the hardest tasks. 
and they may, you know, they take the stuff that's really broken and they fix it beyond everybody's wildest dreams. And you think about, you know, that's a brand too. You know, yeah. I'm just the quiet person who comes in, sits in my corner and gets stuff done. And there's nothing wrong with that brand. In fact, I think people appreciate, yeah, people love that brand too. But in a day mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like, hey, look, how do I make myself stand out? And maybe people are even feeling more pressure as we go, you know, as we, as we sort of go our own separate corners, yeah. maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, feeling more pressure to stand out. But I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, results speak, you know, results speak volumes a whole lot more than, you know, than words. So. I would agree. And I think there's, there's a specific personality type driven, you know, an engineering analytical mindset. They, they enjoy problem solving and, uh, but they're not, they're not the guys that come in, you know, jingling change in their pocket and shake everyone's hand in the room and like big boisterous, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, they're like, we have to recognize that we, we do have a personality mm -hmm. and that personality can be amplified by the brand that we create for ourselves. Right. So, so a brand is a way of like packaging ourself, whether that's as a candidate. And of course it applies at the company level, but especially for candidates, like, I don't know that I'd worry so much about this if, in my, if, if I were in my 20s, but if I'm in my 30s and I want to go up the executive ladder, mm -hmm. like I want to be this guy or that gal, I want people to know what I stand for and, and what that brand is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I'd want to take my personality and amplify it and, and drop the other stuff out of my brand that doesn't need to be there so that people can go, oh, Matt's, Matt's the guy that just, he doesn't say a lot, but he just gets stuff done. Or Matt's right. the guy that can open up a new territory and just crush it, right? Like whatever your brand is, like whatever, like look in the successes of what you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, um, I think we're just, we're all going to have to get much better at that because we're having to be more mobile from company to company and division to division. If you're in that mm -hmm. world, it's a lot closer, getting a lot closer now to the entrepreneurial world where I've run in, where you absolutely have to have a personal brand. Otherwise you have no business. Well, now right. that's that, like that mentality and that reality is starting to bleed into other aspects of the economy where if you're a candidate and I can't brand you, I can't, I can't exactly pin down what type of person and personality and type of executive you are, I'm going to have trouble pitching you. Like, mm -hmm. and you're going to have trouble getting pitched and getting into that interview. Um, so I think the more that we become aware of that, and it's, it's, a, it's a matter of taking the things that we're good at, enhancing our best attributes, and then not mentioning any of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like really zeroing in on the strengths and, and, and yep. just completely de-emphasizing the weaknesses so that we become known for one thing. Yeah. And I, and I think too, the one thing that's really going to need to improve as we continue down this work from home thing, communication has got to be your ability to communicate yourself, your ideas, your yeah, strengths and ability to take projects on and deliver results. You know, it's, it's just gotta be, it's, 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 it's more essential. Yeah, the, the the privilege of the world is you can work from home in your pajamas and your flip flops if you want to. You don't have maybe you don't have to commute into downtown New York City or wherever you you know your thirty minute commute. That's the upside. 
you know, the challenge is now you've got to be able to figure out how to communicate your abilities to get stuff done better in order to create your own value. Yeah, 100% agreed. So, um, I think one of the best books I read about that is Extreme Ownership, still. Even from the communication angle, there's a lot of books about communication, but from a leadership perspective and getting things done, the, yep. the, the examples that they gave uh, were some of the best I've ever seen in terms of just how do you communicate so that other people understand the vision and the mission and actually get things done and come along with you on the ride. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I would turn to. That's a great resource. I, I, I love that. I love that book because basically what it is, it's, it's, it's a really good way to break it down and say, Hey, the, the person, the person responsible for today is the person looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. I oh. own it. I own it from beginning to end. And if I'm roadblocked, I own the process of getting, uh, getting unroadblocked. Mm-hmm. Or exactly. taking a different path. Yep. And, you know, that's the, uh, I love that book. That was good. I love that yeah. book. So. Yep, me too. Yep, I, I, I reread that continuously. Uh, just, it's like, a, it's like on a loop in my life, like every few months, just go back and, and reread several chapters because it's a good refresher. All right, so I know we've got limited time together today. Um, so I'm going to put it back on you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Give me a call, 910-509-7129. Craig at NorthstarESG.com and uh, tune in to the AerospaceExecutivePodcast.com. The Aerospace Executive Podcast, I should say. It comes out on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Spotify, up, all the usual places. Spotify, Spotify yeah. I put it up on LinkedIn and my website, North, NorthstarESG.com. That's right. All right, man. Appreciate Thanks you having me on. on. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.